I also knew that I wanted to make an impact on people's lives and find a way to do that. And there's many ways to make an impact on people's lives. And I wanted to find an organization that I felt in which the work that I did would impact people. This is the Happen to Your Career podcast with Scott Anthony Barlow. We hope you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and make it happen. We help you define the work that is unapologetically you and then go get it. If you feel like you were meant for more and you're ready to make a change, keep listening. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. There's this funny phenomenon that happens when people are looking for intentional work. They get to this point where they've been working on it for quite a while, and they've identified what will make work meaningful for them and what they're looking for in an organization. All that part is is normal. Yes, it takes a fair amount of work, but here's what happens. Then the search for that ideal role takes longer than expected, or it's a lot harder or a lot more complex. and they begin to have doubts right in the middle of all that. Okay, if you personally haven't experienced this before, let me just be clear with you. This is something that happens every single time. It's normal. At least it is if your goal is to do meaningful work and spend the time in the way that you choose, or what we call making an intentional career change, staying true to yourself when you begin to have doubts so that you can run towards something that's good for you is maybe the hardest part of the entire career change process. I have to keep going because whatever it is that I get to do next, it's going to be doing something good. And I should be in control of where I do that. And it may take a long time, but it's going to be worth it in the end. That's Eric Rosen. Eric had been working in management consulting for years and loved, well, parts of it. Sales, as it turns out, was not one of those parts. And he had the realization that in order to grow in his industry, sales would need to become a larger part of his life, not a smaller part. And while that's great for some people, it absolutely was not what Eric wanted. He finally decided he had to make a change. And during his group change process, Eric began to identify what he really wanted in his life and in his career. And after helping thousands of people with their career changes, we've seen that when you're making this kind of change, well, it often takes more than three months, sometimes even more than six months. And for Eric, it took an entire year for him to find the right role and right opportunity. But along the way, he had to learn how to ask very difficult questions. And he also had to learn to say no to not just good, but great opportunities that weren't in alignment with what he wanted. And in my experience, that is one of the hardest things to do. In this conversation with Eric, he shares the most grueling parts of pursuing work that is extraordinary, especially when you have the pressure of not having a job. Spoiler alert, after a year, Eric finally did get an offer at his ideal organization. But instead of saying yes immediately, his work was just getting started. You're going to hear that over a series of conversations, he negotiated to turn their great original offer into an ideal offer for him. The end result, well, he got to do the work that he really wanted and become extremely well-paid for it, making the entire year he wasn't working all worth it. Pretty cool, right? Okay, if you are already subscribed to the podcast and you've heard episodes before or you've read the Happen to Your Career book, then you already know that finding what career fits you is a process, often taking many months. 
And Eric does a superb job of sharing the best parts, but also the most challenging parts that come up along in that process. And this will prepare you for making your own career change. Okay, here he is sharing what led up to his change in the first place. My background was mostly in management consulting, and I really sort of found my way into that and after my various degrees, just because I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I enjoyed the aspect of being able to work on challenging problems and being able to do them with a variety of clients in a variety of industries. And so the consulting industry allowed me to do that. And I always thought it would be a way to figure out what I wanted to do. Looking back, it turned into just me staying in that and just doing that until I got to the point where I realized it wasn't sustainable. It wasn't sustainable because the only way in that industry to grow in terms of level and stature was through sale. And that's just not what I'm natural at from a professional sales. I would say I have the type of person I where I can talk to people and about products and things of that yeah, nature. And I might sell absolutely. it, but I can't walk into an office and sell a multi-million dollar ERP project. It just doesn't sound natural from me. And that, that was really what was holding me back. It was holding me back subvertly. And then at one point it held me back overtly. And it, it realized that that just wasn't a sustainable long-term career growth for me. And so I wanted to find something that allowed me to take what I liked about it, but put me in a position to feel successful, completely successful. That's fantastic that you recognize that. And I'm curious, what were some of the pieces that you did like about it, that you did love about it, that you wanted to bring along with you later on? Yeah, I think it was a couple of different things. One, it was about challenges. It was always about rooted in finding ways to solve challenges, whether it was through technology or whether it's through process or whether it through collective group of people. The other part of it is that it was mostly team-based. It wasn't sitting alone and thinking about something and then pontificating on high. It was about working with a group of people either in the company at the client site or a mixture of both. So fostering those types of relationships to work together and to create something lasting and impactful. Those were kind of the things that I wanted to continue to maintain, something where I would have challenges to solve, puzzles to solve, if you will, and relationships to build with people. When you had that realization that sales was probably the path that you would need to take to stay where you were at, but that didn't really align with what you wanted. Was that how you knew it was time to leave that area or leave consulting? Or was there something else that occurred along the way that caused you to realize, hey, it's time to leave? I think there were some other things as well. I think there was you know, moving around to different companies to try to find a place that felt more natural and more at home. Once I realized that I was continually moving, I started to think, was it because the companies that I were at that I wanted to move? Or was there something bigger going on here that I needed to reflect on some more? And then also as as I started to, to do more work in my later parts of, of my consulting career, the types of work that I was doing and the types of problems we were asked to solve and the relationship we had with the client started to change some, that it, it wasn't the same as it was earlier. It, it seemed to be less valued and more commoditized. And it's not that I didn't want to feel like I was commodity, but it started to feel like it was more commoditized and there was just something to do and check off versus taking in some of that 
information and expertise and bringing it into the organization. And that didn't leave me feeling very good as well. And so I think those other things were going on, but I realized that if there was a path forward where I could get into leadership and maybe start to change some of those relationships that have made it work. But then that's when I realized it's sales that are going to do that. And that's just, I was never going to make it there. When you were recognizing that you had that experience where it was, you called it felt more commoditized. Mm -hmm. Do you remember any instance in particular where you had that realization or led that to that realization? Or what was the first time that you really felt that? in the back of your mind. Take me there if you remember any of those moments. I think there's some on projects where either through leadership or through the client themselves where they were just looking for things to be done. So it was just send me a checklist or just give me a timeline or just put together a list of tasks. And it was less about understanding why they wanted to do that or understanding what the impacts would be or getting some more information. It was more about just give me those answers and don't worry about anything else. And that's when it became of, well, that's things that you can almost Google. You can almost figure out how to do that yourself. You don't need me to tell you what a timeline looks like or a task looks like. You need me to help you understand why you're doing it and what are the consequences of doing it and are are these things that you should be doing? Or are you asking the right questions? Are you thinking about this the right way before you get into the action part of it? And those types of things started to happen when then I was just asked to not think that way and not ask those questions and not do those things, just give what was asked of you. And that doesn't always work well for me. I'm not a person that that you just kind of say, don't think, just do, because I'm always thinking. And so it's hard for me to turn that part off. That's what I've always found fascinating. That situation that you experienced right there, where you are doing the things that come much more naturally to you. And quite frankly, as I've gotten to know you a little bit, I think you really enjoy that. When you say problem solving earlier, I think that rolls up for you into one of the ways that you solve problems, where you're asking questions and you're thinking about it and then using that information to be able to help someone and add value in that particular way. Like I see you doing that actively and I don't think people could pay you enough to really stop doing that. Like you'd have to really suppress it. And I think that that's such a sign. Like when you get to that point and you realize that to be able to be successful in this environment, this situation, this role, this organization, whatever it is that you're having to suppress a part of yourself, like then (laughs) there's definitely time to move on. So how long do you think it took you once you started recognizing that there was parts and pieces that you're like, yep, that's just not me. You're not going to be able to ask me to do this. What took place from there? How long did it take? Well, it took a long time and looking back an uncomfortably long time because I tried to find other ways to solve it besides attacking the problem, right? So for me, it was about, well, maybe this other company would do it better. And then no, it didn't. Well, that's twice. Well, maybe a third time, maybe there's other companies going to do better. And you, and you get into that where it's easier to find, try to find something analogous to what you're doing and maybe hope the environment in which you do it in will help solve some of the things for it, as opposed to taking the hard look and realizing that it's not necessarily just the environment. It's the actual types of tasks that you're being asked of doing, which aren't changing that much depending on the company. And that took a long time for me to realize because that, I think, is the scariest part of it, right? You get to a point where I was, I mean, this wasn't just post-college. I mean, this was post-graduate degree too. Like you start on this path and you start to, you wake up one day and you look around and you're like, it's scary to say, well, maybe I made a wrong turn. 
Like maybe I made the wrong and I continued and I doubled down on that path and I'm way far away from where I should be. That doesn't make it right to ignore that. And it doesn't mean it's wrong to be scared of it. The challenge is to then realize, do you want to do something about it or not? And I think I was lucky enough to have an out, a way in which that I could be scared of that, but still find a way to softly make the correction instead of making a hard turn or an exit. Tell me about that. And I was able to do that in that I found myself also wanting to give back in a way and using that, that you talked about, like really thinking about things and helping solve challenges. I wanted to solve some of the challenges, and this is going to sound very high in the sky, but I wanted to solve some of the challenges I felt society was facing. Like we were going down a very dark path and I wanted to find a way to give back. And I didn't want to just write a check or build a house or pack a lunch. And those things are all critical and vital. People need food and people need shelter. And there's and there's great organizations that do that. But that wasn't what I wanted to do and what I meant. And I found a fellowship, which were looking for people like me who wanted to serve a year in city government and work on strategic challenges that government is facing around racial and social equity, but providing innovation and providing thought and providing counsel. So for me, it was a way of saying I can do some of the good things that I liked about consulting and marry it to making an impact and then find a way to use that time to realize what is it that I wanted to do and be. So it was more of a softer turn than just saying, I'm done with consulting. What am I going to do? I was able to morph into this pseudo consulting type role and use that time to gestate what is it that I want to be now. I think that is fantastic for so many different reasons. You've heard me talk about designing experiments. And I think that for you, this was such a great opportunity to be able to really conduct an experiment that was completely outside of your, what I would call normal, some of those past organizations. It really sounds like we're changing the names and the faces, but the same type of situation overall in many, many variables. So I think this is a really fantastic way for you to be able to get get outside that environment, shake it up and be able to do so in a way that mattered to you while being able to pay attention at the same time. So kudos to you for experimenting in that way. That's a courageous decision in the first place. What caused you to feel like that was the right decision for you at the time? Well, at that time, I had been let go by the consulting firm that I was with. And I was really trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. And it was very easy looking back, would have been very easy for me to say, okay, what other consulting firms are looking for people? Consulting firms are always looking for people. And so I can do that, right? I can go back and say, okay, well, XYZ firm, you do consulting. This is what I do. Is there a way that we can work together? Or are you looking to grow this part of your practice? But something inside me just realized that that wouldn't have been as exciting for me. And it just happened to be a chance encounter that I got a LinkedIn message from this nonprofit that wanted to at least see if I was interested in talking about this opportunity about helping. And that had been going through my head anyway. So it just was a good opportunity for me to do things, as I said, softer, right? It wasn't completely being unemployed and figuring out what I wanted to do. It was giving help in a structured way that was set for a year. It had set goals. There was a small stipend. So at least I felt like I was still quote unquote employed, but I was going to then use that time as doing two things, as helping society in the way that I wanted to, 
And then taking a moment for me and saying, who am I and what do I want to be? I didn't pretend to think that government is where I wanted to work. I was open to it, but it wasn't the reason to take it. It was more of, it would give me the opportunity to use the skills that I had in a new way and find the time to figure out who I want to be. So that when I then look for what's next for me, I'm doing it from a place of, I'm not just looking for the next consulting job because that's easy. I'm looking for the next career move for me so that I could have a more structured career, longevity in a career that I'm putting myself on the right path. It was almost like a moment in time where I could say, I'm stopping on this road. I don't know what road I'm going to be on next, but I know it's going to be another road. And let me look at all the maps that I can find and figure out what road do I want to be on next <laughs> and put myself onto that road. I vaguely remember the first conversation you and I had. I told you I loved some of the analogies that you were coming up with. <laughs> and you know, I think this is a great one because honestly, this is the equivalent to instead of just like keeping on driving anywhere and just like feeling like you're making momentum, but really you're not. This is the harder thing to do in so many different ways, like pulling over to the side of the road and saying, okay, hold on, let's pull out the map. Where do we actually want to get to here? Okay, what's the best way to get here? And that it's a courageous decision, quite frankly. I don't think that that's always acknowledged versus just keep on the same path, keep driving. So really nice job. I'm also curious about looking back on that experience after you went through the fellowship, what do you feel like were some of your biggest takeaways about what you wanted in your next step and beyond? I think it reinforced that there were aspects of working on strategic initiatives and challenges that are done outside of being a consultant, that there are ways to do that and there are opportunities to do that. And those are the tasks that still got me excited and still had me want to go to work every day and want to do those types of tasks. I still was able to understand more about how I am as a person in terms of building relationships, right? Like you, you think you're good at that. And in consulting, you're artificially put in that way where you're, you're building relationships because you're working on the same client and you're doing something together. And I always thought I was very good at that. This allowed me to come into an industry like government and do the same thing, but not from the same starting point. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to reinforce that that is something that I'm very good at and being with people and working with people and bring people along on the journey and pulling insights and, and thoughts from people are all things that I do get excited about and want to do. So it reinforced a lot of what I thought about myself, but it also gave me the opportunity to spend time, as I mentioned, like really thinking about well, what does that mean? What are the other things? What don't I know about myself that I could use this time to find? And then who can help me with that? and just spend the time to do that sort of stuff. I just had a conversation before you and I got to talk. I had a conversation with Selena. The podcast is actually going to air on next week after this episode. And part of our conversation was about when you spend a lot of time in the same area, like in your case, in consulting, and you have been surrounded or maybe siloed by that is the appropriate word, it's hard to recognize what's actually valuable outside of that. So I think that your point that you just made about you got to be in a completely different situation, different environment, different industry, we'll call it, 
and validate that what you knew how to do in one environment was actually so useful in another one. And some elements of it you really enjoyed and wanted to carry through. Like that is invaluable in so many different ways. And it's also so hard to see. Like almost everyone we talk to, I will tell you, in any capacity, the emails that we get, they undervalue how transferable their skill sets are and what might be possible for them in a different situation that they actually want. So that is so cool that you took away that. And I am curious about what you said too, just a moment ago about how you recognize that there might be so much more for you out there too. And there were some things that you didn't necessarily know. What do you feel like at that point you still needed to figure out after completing that fellowship? I think it was figuring out how do I position myself as someone who can do those things and what do those things equate to in industry, right? So going back into the private sector, what are the roles? What are the groups of the organization, the departments, the titles that I should be really looking at or investigating more through conversations because it's not the same as in consulting, right? So what are the ones that are important to me? Or what are what are they called? The things that I know how to do, what are they called in industry currently? Things change all the time. So at that moment, what was it called and what what is it that I should be looking after? So let's fast forward for just a second here. You ended up with Tonal, which I believe is a pretty amazing organization. I think they're doing a nice job with not just one thing, but a lot of different things. And that said, how do you tell people about what you do now? What's your position called? And just give me a couple tidbits about what you're doing, what you're spending your time on now at the moment. Sure. So I'm currently a senior software and content program manager. And so what I do is for large strategic initiatives that the company is looking to investigate, prototype, build out for for the offering, I lead the cross-functional work. So thinking about bringing teams together to solve whatever is the problem that we're asked to do. So usually it's all stuff that isn't released yet. So we're working on new sort of ideas. We're kind of building them out. And my expertise would be ones that involve some sort of content creation for it with software support. So I don't really work on the hardware side. I'm not about building anything on the hardware side. It's all about the associated content and software. I think it's super fun about that is that we started this conversation by you saying, Hey, I really learned through all my consulting experiences that I absolutely loved the working together in teams and that type of collaboration and that type of cross-functional collaboration. Like that's really fun for you. And then thinking about how the strategy of how the different things fit together. And now fast forward to the end, you get to do a whole bunch of that in your new role. And that is really wonderful. I think that's reinforcement that you made a wonderful step for yourself. Also, at the same time, you and I had a conversation before we hit the record button here at that. It was not always easy along the way. There was a pretty substantial amount of time for you. Was it about 12 months in between the fellowship and then where you accepted this opportunity? Yeah, my fellowship ended and then it took me a full calendar year to then accept an opportunity to join Total. So what was that like? First of all, I asked you, you know, what did you plan on? Or did you plan for it to be that long? And you're like, no, not at all. Not at all. My intent was to get a get a role that was right for me as soon as possible. But in in doing so, what was that like for you? What were the hard parts and what caused you to continue to keep moving forward? 
you're right. And then I'm glad this is a podcast, not a video. You could don't get to see my facial expressions when you're talking about how long it was. And yes, it was challenging. I think there's a few things that I think I'm looking back on is that one, you can only control what you can control. And there are far more things that you can't control than you realize. You can think about there's certain things that you can't control, but there's significantly more. And of the things that you either can control or not, the ones that you can't control are going to give you the most heartache, the most heartburn, the most consternation throughout it. And it's so much easier for me to say now, looking back and reflecting on it than it was during that time. Because at that time, every setback was felt catastrophic. It just did. And it's just because of the state you're in when you're going through this process. And, and I don't minimize it in any way. It is very difficult. And I, and I think what kept me going is the fact that through the fellowship, at least, and looking back the times of consulting, but especially through the fellowship, I realized I could do good things. Not anything in that. I don't mean to, to toot my horn or anything like this, but I just realized that I am capable of doing good things. Toot away, um, sir. Toot away. So, I think you are so very my, capable of doing good So things. my real realization is that I have to keep going because whatever it is that I get to do next, it's going to be doing something good. And I should be in control of where I do that. And it may take a long time, but it's going to be worth it in the end, because at the end of the day, if I follow the path and I stay true to what I want to do and who I want to be, then I am going to do good things for a good company and feel good about myself. I'm just not going to feel good about myself during the process of getting there. And that's just the way it is. And I think there's, but I think there's things that you can do to help it get better, right? But from time to time, having that big picture look, pulling yourself up from the weeds, and realizing that you're going to get somewhere. You just will. It's going to take a various amount of time. It's either going to be quick or short or long. You don't know. But you're going to get somewhere. And at the end of the day, you're going to be where you want to be. And that's a very powerful place to be. So taking time, looking up and saying, okay, you know, I'm going to get there. I just don't know when that time is gives you a little perspective of just slowing down and it's going to be okay. And then you dive back in. I would, and you didn't ask this specifically, but some of the things that I would do besides taking that big holistic picture is, is I would spend time actually actively not looking for my next opportunity, doing something else. It could be daily or it could be weekly, but doing something else, whether it's, you know, we talked about this before, like I play ice hockey. So whether it was playing ice hockey or whether it was working out or whether it was just going to get a coffee physically out of the house, going for a walk, a skateboard or something, just doing something else to clear your brain, but making sure that you do that it does do wonders. It does change your mood. It does give you something else to do and focus on. Because if you continue to focus on what is negatively happening, it reinforces it and, and it puts you in a downward spiral. And I do say that you don't always control the downward spiral. There's lots of things that help you get there, but you can control when you get out of it by changing your mental state a little bit, by just doing something else. And it can be something simple. It doesn't have to be something complex, but just doing something else. And it'll, it'll break up the days. It'll break up the weeks. It'll break up the months and it'll make you feel a lot happier 
in certain moments and celebrate those moments. That is fantastic. And I appreciate you sharing what worked for you as well, because it's one thing to go through that and say, well, you just need to hang with it and eventually you're going to get there. But it's another thing for how do you actually do that and what might work for someone. So I really appreciate you sharing what worked for you. And also, when you think back over the last, and now it's been about 15 months or so, but when you think back over that 12-month period, what do you feel like was much more difficult than you would have anticipated? I think the biggest challenge really was the networking piece. It wasn't really the conversations. It was getting the traction. It was getting the conversations, I think. And this goes back to what you can control and what you can't control. You can control what industries you want to pursue, what companies you want to pursue, what people you want to target. What you can't control is their reaction and their willingness and their ability to meet you where you want to be. And, and, and I mean that in a simple way of you want to have a, a conversation just to explore what they do or explore the company, explore the industry. You can't control how receptive they are to it. And that's the challenging part. And, and I had a lot of moments where I would use a lot of the learnings that I got from you and Mo and about how best to reach out and how best to structure your reach out and plan your meetings, blah, blah, blah. And I would make headway in terms of getting connections and people that would want to meet. And then all of a sudden, they probably decided they didn't want to do that anymore and never heard back or never heard from them or had a meeting and then didn't show up and then never heard back, right? That's so frustrating. And that puts you into some of that downward spiral from before, right? And and that goes back to you can't control that because you've done everything right. And it's hard. That was the hardest part is then you, it's not meant to be personal. It's not that someone is saying, I don't want to talk to you at all, but it feels that way. It feels that that's what they're doing because you're the only one that asked and you're the one that set up the meeting. So it feels that that's what they're doing. But, you know, people are, have different motivations and people use tools for different things. And so if you find yourself in a way that you're getting people to say yes to connecting you on LinkedIn and then never hearing from them again, or saying, responding to one message in a positive way and then never hearing from them again, it's hard, but it's one of the things that happens. And then understanding that people's motivations are different and you can only control asking and then you can control the environment in which you have the conversation. But there's very little else that you can control about that. And finding a way to have comfort in that. The positive was that person did say yes at one point in time. That's a positive thing. Celebrate that and realize that if that gets replicated, that next person maybe then will follow through and have the conversation with you. So trying to look back and find the positives in what happened in a very negative situation is helpful. But I, that was the most challenging part of the whole thing. I can definitely see and I have felt where that challenge can happen. And you said something that is really very interesting there that I think changes the game for people. I think so many people, when they think about making a career change as an example, I think people equate that with, I need to make a company change or a environment change or a industry change or something like that. However... I think it's far, far, far more than that. In some ways, is also behavioral changes along the way. And you've referenced some of those. But then the other thing that often people don't think about is how do you actually produce 
a desirable situation that is a really positive outcome on the other end. And what I heard you say earlier is that you're focused on those people or organizations or industries or companies or whatever that you actually are interested in or that you do want to spend your time around. And if you're putting your efforts in a teeny tiny smaller portion of those places that you actually want to be, eventually, as long as you are continuing to move down that path, and this is what I saw you do really, really well, you continue to find ways to keep moving down the path, looking at that larger purpose of, hey, I know that I can do good work someplace. And I know that when I get there, I'm going to be able to contribute in a different way. And it almost sounded like you felt obligated to continue on down that path. But focusing on that element, and then focusing on identifying and only going after those places that you actually are legitimately interested in, That's kind of the not so secret sauce to how you end up in a place that you actually want to be. So I just wanted to unpack that for a few seconds here because it's easy to listen to a story like yours, Eric, where you've had a really positive outcome on the other end and it sometimes gets lost about how that actually got there. And in this case, I know you did a great job continuing to show up and continuing to focus on those places you want to be. So what I'm also curious about is tonal. What caused you to believe, yeah, this is absolutely an organization that is that is right for me? Yeah. Specifically about tonal, I knew coming out of my fellowship that when we talked about it reinforced the types of tasks and things that I liked to do. Yeah. But what it also instilled in me is that I also knew that I wanted to make an impact on people's lives and find a way to do that. And there's many ways to make an impact on people's lives. And I wanted to find an organization that I felt in which the work that I did would impact people. And for me, Tonal does that. And it, and I don't mean it in a physical way of just changing people's physiques or changing their, whether they're, they're losing weight or getting stronger or muscles or things of that nature. It certainly does that. But what it does for me is it, it reimagines and, and reinvents and reinforces their relationship with health and fitness that is also impacts more parts of their lives. So it was an organization that I knew that I wanted to be part of. And there were other organizations too that do things similarly, but in other industries. But I knew specifically that I wanted to target companies that would allow me to do the work that I like and am good at and impact people. And so it was one of those things that I knew that I needed to narrow what that was and be uber focused on what that was so that I could facilitate the right conversations and do the right research. And one of the things that you said earlier about related to what I'm just saying is that that's incredibly hard to do. And I don't mean it was hard for me. It's a hard thing for people to do. It takes a lot of the work that you alluded to, which isn't just career change, isn't just about a title or about tasks. It's really understanding you and yourself and what you want and what you are enjoy and what you want to be part of. And when you do that and you find the industries and the companies, you can continue to focus, like you said, and you'll get to a good spot. The challenge is that when things are bad, you don't expand that further into (laughs) organizations that don't quite fit that but sound like it could be okay. Or maybe that's role, like you start to creep a little bit outside of it because things are going tough and it's hard. But if you can maintain that Uber focus, you'll get to the place that you want to be. But I do recognize, and again, don't want to minimize, it's hard to do that when things are not going well. Yeah. Especially, I mean, 12 months in when 
I don't know how you experienced specifically long periods of time in between where you're focused on something, but the result hasn't come through yet. But I know for me, it very much felt like, should I consider accepting something else? Like, am I really doing the right thing here? Like, am I doing the right thing for my family? Like all it causes me to question my intents over and over again. And I'll ask you directly, what was that like for you? What were those hard elements that people might not be thinking about from the emotional side? It does. It certainly makes you question, did you define things the correct way because it feels so narrow? And and that's when relying on the work that you did is you have to trust that because you did it from an honest place. And it what it truly reflects who you are and what you want. If you put in the work up front to do that, it's having faith in that and having faith in yourself. Again, it's not easy. It's not easy to do. But if you put in the work at the beginning to do that, then you're only cheating yourself if you ignore that later on when it's hard. It's easy to do that. It's easy to ignore it. And it's easy to open up and say, well, this role sounds sort of, maybe it's, you know, and and maybe I'll be able to fix it. Maybe I'll be able to fix the role once I'm there. Or maybe I'll be able to fix the company once I'm there. It's easy to talk yourself into those types of things, especially if they're the ones that you get conversations with and they're the ones that you start talking to. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's the right thing to do because you did something earlier for a reason. So I don't really have a magic bullet to say how you break out of it. I think changing your perspective from time to time, not in terms of the details, not in terms of whether your answers were correct, but your perspective of take a break for yourself, read a book, go for a walk, go talk to someone you haven't talked to in a long time. Just find some other way to change your mindset when you then go back to it you'll feel a stronger connection to the work that you did earlier because your mind's a little clearer and you'll realize, yes, that's it. that is exactly what I was talking about. It is exactly what I'm looking for. And then it'll give you a little bit more of an adrenaline rush to keep going. Let's go back all the way to when you were at the beginning of thinking about changing and realizing that the path wasn't right. And you were in the midst of deciding, hey, should I make this change in one way or, or another? And back there when you were thinking about it, before you transitioned out, before it left that opportunity in consulting, uh, you had inklings of it. And you ended up changing organizations a few times. But what would you advise people who are back in that situation, who are wondering, hey, should I change to another organization, keep doing the same thing? Should I make a massive pivot? And they've got all these questions going through their head. What advice would you give that person who's in that place? I think that's the time to do a lot of the self-reflection work and really break things apart, break things apart into the, the tasks and the activities and that you like and types of companies that you like. And then personally, what's important to you, right? I think if you can do that in introspection and reflection, reflection earlier, then I think it's okay to figure out your path forward. Because at that point in time, you might not know enough about the tasks that you like or don't like. You might know a lot about yourself, but you're not sure about the tasks. So that doesn't say that your path is wrong. That could be an environmental issue. That could be the task issue. It could be a person you don't know, right? So at that point, it'll give you a better roadmap of maybe you could try, to your point, another experiment in the same thing you were doing, but for a different company and see if it was an environmental issue. But you could be in a different position where you know the tasks are just completely wrong for you then it's finding the tasks that are right for you, right? So I think a lot of that looking inward, there's never a too early a way, a time to do it. 
I think historically, it's always like your first jobs out of college, you're still learning and figuring things out, right? Might be hard for someone to say that's a too early a time to do something like that. But that might be more of a time of understanding more about yourself and what motivates you and how you're responding well and how you're not responding well and just kind of taking inventory of yourself that could help you a little later on. So the more I think you can start taking inventory of things, the better off you'll be when you need to then use those pieces of information. You did a really nice job, even staying true to yourself at the very, very end when it got to you had an offer, you were in the negotiation process. It's feeling like you need to accept the offer and not sure how much give there is and everything else along those lines. And you did a really nice job coming out on the other side with even more than what some of the minimums were that you had defined for yourself, not just accepting the quote unquote minimums. I will tell you from working with literally thousands of people on that, that it's a hard thing to do, much like some of the other pieces that we've talked about here. And since you did such a great job through that process, what did you learn? And what would you share with everyone else about what you learned as you're going into negotiation to be able to stay true to yourself and what you actually want? I think a couple of things, and thank you for those. I, I appreciate the kind words. I think a couple of things. The first thing is having support and having support from people. I had the support from you and from Mo, right? To bounce ideas off, to get information that I didn't know, to ask the question of, am I crazy here? Or should I ask this? Or is this out of bounds? Or is this, how do you think, and scenario, how do you think this is going to be responded to? Or what about this type of wording? How would you react to that? So having that support there is important. And then going back to the understanding of you, understanding what is important to you. If a certain title or dollar amount or total package is critical to you, then knowing that's what you need to find. I think in my particular case, I had a sense of what I felt my worth was. I don't have any true empirical evidence of my particular worth to the world, but I had a sense of what I think it would be. And so I knew that it would be something that was worth asking for, knowing that if it got to a certain point that was a little lower or whatever it was, like where my line in the stand was, where I would say, I could love the company and I could love the opportunity, but this particular package, salary, bonus, or whatever it is, is not going to make me feel valued and put me in a negative spot, then unfortunately, that's just not a good position to put myself in and setting myself up for failure. So I kind of had an idea of where my lowest line would be. And just knowing that I would make these decisions if I had to, as long as you have the support and you know what's important to you, I think that the negotiation part is then just asking questions and not being afraid to. There's no harm in asking and realize there's, there's also no harm in being told no. Hey, I want to give you a fun update. A year after we recorded this interview, Eric used what he had learned through the process to transition again to an even better fit than he could have imagined. In this episode, we only discussed that one particular career change, but pursuing your ideals for work is a moving target, which means it's a lifetime long pursuit. Now, we talk about this in our book, Happen to Your Career, an unconventional approach to career change and meaningful work, which by the way, people have said is literally the best audiobook experience they've ever had. Like you can go and you can see those reviews on, on Amazon and on Audible, but I would highly encourage you to give it a listen. 
it's fundamentally changed the way many people think about work. You can find it on Amazon, you can find it on Audible, and all places where books are sold. Seriously, you can just pause this right now, hit pause, and go over to Audible and download it in seconds. And then you'll be up and started and ready and running for your career change. And when you read it, email me and let me know what you think. Just email me, scott at happentoyourcareer.com. And if you haven't already, click subscribe on your podcast player so that you can download this podcast in your sleep and you get it automatically, even the bonus episodes every single week, sometimes multiple times a week. Until next week, adios, I'm out.